Motorcycle Man. And good evening, everybody. This is Ted, your host of the Motorcycle Men podcast. This is episode number 72. If you are like me, one of the things that you often think about is wonder what it would be like to ride my motorcycle around the world. In fact, you wonder what it would be like to ride your motorcycle on every continent you could possibly ride on. In fact, you ask yourself what it would be like to ride your motorcycle in Antarctica. Well, you've come to the right place because I have somebody here with me on the show tonight that can tell you all about that. Hi, joining me now, all the way from British Columbia, up there in Canada, um, the lovely Steph Jevons. How are you doing, Steph? Hi, not too bad. Thanks very much. Welcome to the Motorcycle Men podcast, and we're going to I'm going to annoy you for for an hour or so. Asking you silly questions. How's things? Pretty good. I feel like I've been dragged into a man cave. Motorcycle man. It's like, whoa, what's going to well, happen well, in here? Well, it's, mo- it's exciting. Right. Yeah, tonight it's just motorcycle man. You know, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> doing right. an interview solo <laughs> right now. Um, but uh, all right, well, let's uh, let's get right into it. You know, those of you who don't know Steph uh, or who have never heard of you, um, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Just to exclude all those points between diapers and your first beer. Hmm. Okay. Well, first beer leads me on to nicely, uh, nicely on to uh, terrible teenage years. I was a pretty terrible teenager <laughs> and <laughs> a nightmare for my parents. And um, I've tried on sort of many hats throughout the years yeah. before I landed on the, on the helmet, really. So I've been many things, a zookeeper. Um, I've been a mortgage advisor. I've been a human resources manager. And then eventually I uh, set up an off-road school and... Um, ran tours in, in Morocco and that kind of thing. And um, always had this dream of doing a long journey, going around the world. It kind of evolved into going around the world on a motorbike. And um, three years ago, I did it. I set off from, from the Ace Cafe in London, and uh, I've been riding around ever since. That's your job. That is my job. You know, yes. so, you know, right now there are there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who hate you very much right now. You do know uh, that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so so that's your job. You you ride around and you write. You, you write in your blog, which, by the way, I have to tell you, your blog, I it is very cleverly named. I, <laughs> very, one you're, Steph you're, Beyond. One, one Steph Beyond. So tell us a little bit about your blog. <laughs> well, one step beyond came about from a friend of mine. Actually, I can't take the credit. We were off-roading one day and uh, testing out the new bike, actually, ready for, for this journey. And uh, it was a cold day, and we were both sort of on the beginning of a trail. And he said, uh, are you ready? I said, yeah, I'm ready. And he went, one step beyond and raced off. And I was sort of chasing him thinking, one step beyond. What a great what a great name for a blog. <laughs> so the, <laughs> yeah. so it's his fault and, and obviously very catchy and um yeah, so uh, so the blog I, I I write as I go around, and I've been I've been doing it pretty much every week apart from recently. I've been uh, I've been trying to earn money in other ways because the blog is really it doesn't pay me anything. So I've been trying to earn some extra money recently, and and the poor blog has been ignored for a while. But I've just updated it today. So okay, now so now I noticed on your blog you have uh, blog roll your videos and your photos and your rally for life, which we're going to get into. And of course, yeah. you 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 outline your route of all the rides you've done, but uh, and you do some public speaking as well. And on here, it tells you when it says about Steph, it says you left the Ace Cafe in 2014 to circumnavigate the world, and you're still going, and apparently you're lost. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but so you do, what? Okay, what inspired you? What triggered your desire to go ahead and? become this world rider that you are? Uh, well, originally the dream was to actually to ride to Borneo to see the orangutans. And uh, and then, you know, when you get to Borneo, you might as well keep going, right? So um, so the dream evolved over, over several years. Yeah. I think the feeling of freedom was the ultimate um, thing for me. Uh, I started 
thinking about it very young. I had a I had a child very young. I was only 18. Um, my son is now older than me um, when I had him. So, uh, yeah, sorry, I should finish that sentence. What? what? How'd you do that? <laughs> Not older than me <laughs> when I had him. So, um, so I was pretty young. I was just a kid, right? And uh, that I dealt with it. I got the I got the job. I got the house to give us that security and did everything that was required of me. Um, but I needed something to kind yeah. of uh, to keep me going through the bad days and the tough days. And really, that was how uh, that was what I did. I used to daydream about sort of traveling the world. You know, um, originally I thought I'll go backpacking with my baby strapped to my back. You know, <laughs> yeah, that'll work. And what people kind of do these days, and people do all sorts these days, it's amazing. Yeah. But um, for me, it wasn't that easy. I didn't have like a rich, well, I didn't have any means of, of supporting myself whilst traveling. Right. I still don't really, but, you know, I'm working <laughs> on that. But um, <laughs> but uh, that's that's really what kind of happened. I was uh, I was always in trouble when I was a teenager as well, and, and I always needed something to focus on. So I guess I've sort of channeled my energies into something more positive with a, with a better outcome. So, yeah. Now, were you, when you, when you were a teenager and a, a, a troubled child, were, were you involved with motorcycles back then? Well, my parents are into motorbikes, but I mean, I won't class them as uh, bikers as such. They do a lot of, they didn't, couldn't really afford to motorbike and have three children. So a lot of the time there was just a rusting old Honda in the, in the garden that my dad promised to do something with, you know. Um, they now bike a lot since we left home, but, um, but yeah, and I think what my first boyfriend was a biker. I then met a lot of bikers and, um, yeah, so from a very early age biking, I, I used to sneak, um, on the back of a, a kid's motorbike that was lived up the road from me. We lived in quite a rural area and, uh, he used to sneak me on the back of his motorbike and race me up and down much to my parents' dismay, you know, so, uh, so I guess bikes are in the blood really. Oh well, there you go. Now your, your now your son. I, I imagine that when you began your world journey, your son was old enough to be out on his own, or did you just drop the kid off at grandma's house and you hit the road? <laughs> as soon as he hit twenty, I was gone. I was like, <laughs> right, you're old enough to look after yourself now. This is it. I see you later. See you later, son. And he, <laughs> and uh, he just went. Oh, he was. He's pretty cool. He's a, he's a young man, you know. So Good. he's pretty cool. Good. He's just like. All right, see you later. Have fun, you know. And and you know what? Now he, uh, I spoke to him the other day, and and I said, you know, it's probably going to be another year before I get home. And and he said, well, you know, you've got to make the most of it. We only live once. Go for it, mum. And I just thought, ah, oh, that's the best thing you could that's have ever a, said that's to a me. Great attitude. <laughs> great attitude. Does he have any desire to ride? He does ride, but not very much. Um, he's busy earning money and and doing all that kind oh, of thing. So um, earning money. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> who needs to earn money, right? So you got to, so you did not want to get caught into the the corporate mentality, cubicleville, and you just decided to opt for this. Yeah, I guess so. Like I said, I did a lot of a lot of I did my time. I, I felt <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and but I, I always wanted to to have some kind of alternative lifestyle, I guess, and uh, and it does feel like a lifestyle now as well. After three years on the road, it feels like a lifestyle, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a difficult one to to drop, um, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to do something, and it was a challenge. I love challenges, and um, nobody nobody from the UK had ever sort of ridden around the world and hit all seven continents. Right. So, right. wanting more of a challenge than just riding to Borneo or riding around the world, I thought, hey, why not? Let's let's uh, let's do all seven oh. in for a penny. You know, yeah. why stop there, right? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> now, wait, wait, now, what bike did you use for this? Did you just use one bike continuously, or did you have several bikes that you tried out? Well, I, I'm still going, and, and I'm still on the same bike. It's a Honda CRF 250L, uh, small bike, uh, a yeah. bit controversial before I left. You know, people were kind of saying, oh, you've bitten off more than you can, more than you can chew. You know, this bike isn't going to make it. Um, but, of course, smaller bikes are becoming more popular these days, and, and they make sense for, for many reasons. Um and you were able you, know, to, you were able to carry everything that you needed with you on this bike. Yeah, I, I try and travel light. I'm not much of a hoarder, so it's fairly easy for me. It's one in, one out. You know, I I, I uh, get given a new T-shirt or something, and uh, and one gets thrown out, and I, I keep it fairly simple. Oh wow, that's great! Wow, uh, who'd three, have thought, right? Three um, pairs of knickers and a credit card. That's all you need, really. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's if you're hotel camping. If you're hotel camping, that's a different story. But I imagine that when you get in the middle of Africa somewhere, it gets kind of hard to do. 
Well, that's true. I, I do camp a lot of the time. I'm on a very small budget, so I do have to, um, in, in all seriousness, I do have to carry all my camping gear and cooking equipment and that kind of thing. Stuff to keep me warm and and also keep me cool. So, yeah. so there's a fair bit to, to go on there, but it's it's um, I've, I've got it down to a T after three years. So, yeah. Oh, I would hope. Now, <laughs> now, one question that a lot of people ask, and I'm going to, and, and feel free to say, I really don't want to say it. It's, just, oh, it's okay. How does somebody fund a, 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 a lifestyle like this? Hmm. Good question. I'm still not sure how I'm still going after three years. Actually. You don't even know, right? <laughs> I don't even know. I try to know. Actually, it's, it's fairly hand to mouth. So, um, and I've got used to that. So I don't own anything anymore apart from what's on my bike. Wow. And wow. Uh, a small box in my parents' attic marked to keep, you know. Um, <laughs> and uh, so it's fairly, it's, it's a fairly sort of low budget thing. Uh, I write articles, as I said, for my beer money uh, for, for motorbike magazines along the way. Yeah. I do presentations, which uh, which kind of usually by donations, so to bikers or communities or whatever along the way who um, give me a bit of money to listen to me talk. Um, and uh, I did have sponsors when I started. I had, um, but mostly that's mostly equipment. It's very difficult to get sponsors who want to give you a load of cash and say off you go. You know, so. Uh, uh, it's it's a constant battle to keep going, but at the same time, I'm less worried about it now than I ever was, and probably, uh, well, I definitely own less than I've ever owned. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I'm happier than I've ever been. Uh, there's a combination of things, but the stress and the worry of thinking about a mortgage payment or anything is no longer there. You know, so um, I live on my bike, and uh, well, I, I guess I'm lucky. I have a lot of family and friends, and uh, who. You know, if it, the worst came to the worst, they'd probably pick me up and fly me and put fly me home and put me on their sofa or something. But also, the biking community uh, throughout the world have been amazingly supportive. So I've run out of money a couple of times, and uh, like coming into the US, for example, and the biking community in the US. As soon as I crossed that border, I was like, "Okay, uh, got no money, and I'm in an expensive country. What am I going to do?" And <laughs> they just picked me up and. There was calls coming in from all over the place, people saying on the blog saying, oh, you're in California, come and stay with me, I've got a spare room, da-da-da-da, and, and it went on all the way through the U.S., so, um, wow. so yeah, it's been, it's been absolutely amazing. Wow, so you did a lot of couch surfing, did you? <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> now, tell us about your book. You wrote, a, you wrote a book, it's called Embrace the Cow, and then you've <clears> got, you got to explain the title. Okay, well, this is just another fundraising thing, I've got to say. <laughs> so um, while I've been sitting still, I want to write a, a book when I finish. Of course, that would be lovely. Um, but I think that would be a whole other challenge. So the full version, the full fat version. But this one is um, is a little, hopefully a little book of inspiration that uh, incorporates some um, hints and tips from the road, a few tales from the road, uh, there's no right or wrong way to go around the world, of course, and I'm not trying to tell anybody how to do it in this book, but um, the idea is just to kind of help people along the way because when you first start out or you're first thinking about this, I get asked questions all the time from people considering this kind of thing, and mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you just need someone to put your mind at rest and say, hey, don't worry, uh, things will be okay, and, and pretty that's what the book is about, really. Embrace the cow um, <clears throat> comes from a quote that uh, a Berber once said to me in the Moroccan desert, uh, and he said, uh, life is like a cow. Some days you get milk, some days you just get shit. <laughs> and uh, adventure travel is pretty much like that, you know, em yeah. embrace the cow. <laughs> All right, okay, makes sense. And did you, <laughs> did you embrace the cow? I certainly did. I've embraced many cows in my life, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you tell us about that. Uh, you set up an off-road school, and you ran desert tours in Morocco. Obviously, and now that I, I, I get the um, the uh, your 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 pattern that you've got going here, that was another fundraising thing, right? What what the uh, the Morocco thing? Yeah, the, your off road school and your desert tours in Morocco. Yeah, well, I couldn't afford to um, to take up off roading as a hobby, so I decided to set it up as a business. <laughs> <laughs> the ulterior motive, yes. yes. <laughs> and I learned uh, I learned to off road behind the, at the back of my customers. I used to say to them, "Go ahead, keep looking forward. You're doing really well." As I was falling off, you know. Um, <laughs> but I set up with a um, a Dakar rider named Mick Extens, and mm -hmm. um, he had given me some training. I decided to do a trip across South Africa for charity with my sister. We hadn't done any off-road riding before then. 
So this guy came and gave us some training. That weekend, we got very drunk together, uh, all of us. There was, there was quite a few of us there. It wasn't just me and him, just for the record. And, um, and he said, I'd love to set up an off-road school. And I said, well, why don't you? And he said, well, because I'm not very good at business. And I said, right, okay, drunkenly, I said, well, when I get back from Africa, that's what we'll do. We'll do that together. Uh, and I was uh, a mortgage advisor at the time. It was 2008, and um, the markets were – it wasn't a good time to be a mortgage advisor, put it that way. Yeah. So uh, as soon as I got back, the first call I got was from him saying, uh, are we ready? Shall we do this? And uh, we, we borrowed motorbikes. We, uh, we borrowed a bit of land, and then within six months, we got a contract with Honda. And, um, and the rest is history, as they say. I, I spent five years doing that. Wow. And uh, that kind of gave me the confidence to 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 go for this trip. Really, I, you know, um, working with a Dakar rider means that you have to. Um, well, he likes to push things. The first thing he said, one of the first things he said when we first set up the school was, uh, "I want people throwing up in their helmets by the end of the day." <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, "Well, you know, think return custom. You know, let's let's just try. Let's just ease them in gently." But uh, I learned a lot. I fell off a lot. I got many injuries and. Um, and bruises and got pointed and laughed at with everybody else. Uh-huh. And um, it was great. But, of course, in the winter, it was pretty pretty harsh in Wales. So we we then decided to do the Morocco tours, which was uh, a great experience for me. It was um, it was wonderful. Our first trip, I, I hadn't even been to Morocco. And we were leading people through the desert, you know. So. <laughs> oh, wow. So Baptism now, of fire. <laughs> so now five years into this, this, uh, this uh, Moroccan uh, tour that you're, you're leading, and then one day you decided you're not coming back and you just kept riding. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you just told your partner, look, I'm out of here and that's it. It, it, start, it started to feel too corporate to you, right? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I just, I always had this thing. I just had to go and do this. And my, I was fast approaching 40. Um, I was single. I dated all the guys in my country pretty much. You know, it was, uh, <laughs> I had to go. <laughs> all know, of them? It's, it's a small country. Come well, on, you know, and most of them are sheep, so or dating sheep. So, um, <laughs> so uh, I thought, well, you know, it's time to go out and see the big wide world. And uh, if I if I don't do it before I'm forty, then when will I do it? So I I had to kind of not the forties old, but I had to kind of set a date. You know, uh, if you don't set a date for these things, then I had no idea how I was going to make it work financially, physically, mentally, anything. But uh, if you don't set a date, then you you know you've got to set these challenges. Well, you know, you're never too old. Exactly. No, you're no, never too, you're old, never too but, old. But you've got to start. You've got to start at some point, right? So yeah. So you decided that's it. I'm going now. When? So when did you begin that seven continent solo tour? March 2014, and I left uh, a a year. Um, actually, a few days before my 39th birthday. So I um I was going to leave on my 40th birthday, but then I brought it forward. Uh, and left a few days before. So at the age of 38, uh, three years ago, I um, I set off from the Ace Cafe. Yeah. Wow. Now it was uh, <laughs> it was an 18 month journey. It was supposed to be an 18 month journey, and it's it's we're now three years in. So <laughs> <laughs> you lost track of time, right? And you dropped your watch. Yeah, right? a little bit. <laughs> so what we, what did your family have to say about your your quest to do this? Oh, well, I don't think anybody really believed me when I first started going on about it. I kept harping on about this. Every time there was a pause in a conversation, my trip would come up, you know, and um, I bored everybody to tears, I think. But uh, eventually, you know, they started realizing that I was serious about it and started listening. And um, I think they're really kind of quite proud of me. I think they're they're very happy. They understand fully. all through my life, I've always had different projects. I've gone from one thing to the other, and they always used to worry about me, you know, and say, well, you know, when are you going to settle down and, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, stick to this job? And I'd say, well, you know, why do I have to? And and um, eventually they kind of realized that I was just doing it my way and, and uh, doing my thing, and and they've they've grown to trust me and, uh, and let me get on with it and support me oh, so fully. After, after a while, they just go, ah, that's Steph. Right. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they and they haven't been stre- too stressed. I think occasionally the odd country they've gone, oh, you know, be careful in that place, kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, but generally they leave me to it, and uh, they're there to pick up the pieces if ever I need them. <laughs> wow! Did at any point during these last few years of you riding solo, all by your lonesome, did you, <laughs> did you ever wish you had somebody riding with you? Um, 
I've never wished, I've never regretted taking off on my own. I mean, oh no, imagine having somebody with you all the time. It'd drive me insane. Um, I want to be able to, I want to be able to make my own choices. That's what it was all about for me was to see what I could cope with on my own, you know, but, um, uh, so no, I haven't, haven't wished for that, but I have, I mean, there are lonely times. Don't get me wrong. It's not all romantic riding off into the sunset. After three years, you've had some serious ups and downs by yeah. then. And loneliness definitely comes into it at times. Um, I talk to the dogs a lot when I don't speak the language. I, I... <laughs> dogs are great company. I've actually carried dog food with me through most of it, so they will come and talk to me. I buy their friendship and loyalty. <laughs> but um, I also have met people along the way who I've ridden with for, for a few days, uh, even actually three months at one stage. Um, but then it was like, okay, time to move on. Bye. But oh, that's wow. that's the beauty of it is that you can kind of come to a fork in the road and say, oh, I'm going to turn left. And they say, I'm going to turn right. And there's there's no animosity. There's no argument. It's just nice meeting you and off you go I think uh, that's kind of part of the pleasure really traveling is um, is very addictive and moving forward means that you can uh, I don't know you don't see the worst of places you get the best of people and then you you move on it sounds maybe very shallow I don't know but uh, it's kind of addictive you know oh I I get you you know I imagine that though for me because I would think that if I'm riding along I'll go like Hey, check that out. That's pretty cool. Let's go look at that. Or what do you, you know, some just some conversation along the way. Talking to dogs, while wow, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> and I love talking to my dogs too. It's a wonderful thing. They they all they look at you and they just they really just want food from you. That's all they really want. But yeah, yeah I would think that you know, human interaction might be good. I don't know. Well, it's it's not like I'm in a box, you know. I think the thing about motorbikes is that um, is that there's uh, everybody wants to come and talk to you. Sometimes too much. So yeah. um, motorbikes draw people in, and uh, you, you're not uh, you've got no screen around you. So so you're you, you sort of throw yourself out there, and and uh, and I have met so many people along the way. I've made some genuinely lifelong friends along the way. And now when if I when I go home, if I decide to settle down. When I say settle, I mean you know sit still for a while. <laughs> Let's not get carried away. But uh, um, yeah, I don't see then, that happening. <laughs> I've got places to stay all over the world now. It's brilliant, you know. So <laughs> do you keep in touch with these people? Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's what's so good about uh, technology these days. You know, is that you can very easily. You don't have to send a, write a letter, and you can very easily pop into their lives and say, "Hey, how are you doing?" And, and keep that communication open. So, yeah. and I've invited them all to uh, if they ever get to Wales to come and stay with me in my caravan. So, if they all take me up on it, then my caravan caravan is going to be extremely full. So, <laughs> how many of them said when you're coming back? Oh, so many, so many of them, <laughs> and it, and it's it's really nice. It's a real honour to, to to feel like you have a home. You know, in many places. And then you're looking at your calendar as soon as you get off the phone and you go like, I think I could do that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you had that, uh, you had your little Honda, little your little 250, and you're yeah. cruising around the world and you're going to all these continents. Uh, did mechanical issues issues crop up? And uh, did they crop up often? And what was the worst that you experienced? Hmm. Well, I'm a feminist, right? And, and no, starting, you're not. starting a- Starting a sentence like I'm with a feminist, you might as well say I'm not a racist, but you hear people inwardly groaning, you know, they're like, uh, oh, God, what's she going to say now? But I think hopefully we're all feminists these days. Right. You know, we we believe in equality. But the problem is I'm a rubbish feminist. Like I I I can't I probably know I don't know any more about my motorbike and how it works now than I did when I left. Plus, I ran an off road school for five years. I had a guy to do that for me, you know, so um, (laughs) let's be honest. I love the idea of being able to fix bikes. But actually, then it's almost like, you know, you're trying to learn the guitar. And, uh, you know, you start strumming, your fingers start bleeding and you pass it to the guitarist and start humming along instead. And, <laughs> and mechanics are a bit like that for me. There's still a bit of a mystery. Uh-huh. I get frustrated very quickly when I can't undo that bolt or or whatever. I can change a tire um, and I'm good with cable ties and I can change my own oil if I have to, you know. But um, the reason I chose a Honda was, uh, you know, was because it doesn't have many mechanical problems. And this bike has had... Oh, goodness me, I don't want to say it, but it's so far had no mechanical failures. Um, I snapped my subframe in Sumatra, so uh, I had a little bit too much weight on the tail end, and and the subframe eventually snapped after uh, 30,000 miles. 
And um, what else have I had? A couple of fork seals. I've had a couple of punctures. But uh, the engine just keeps purring away. So, um, yeah. Right. Now, you, now, I, now, on your uh, website, it says time on the road. And it's 1040044. Is, what is that? Is that? Oh, I, it might have gone a bit funny lately because it, once it reached a thousand days, it's. Uh, it, I think it might have gone a bit funny, but um, but it's over a thousand days now. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Now during those thousand days, how many tires did you go through? Oh, good question. Um, how many is it now? I think it's maybe eight sets of tires. Really? Ooh. And um, chain chain and sprockets as well. They're they're the annoying bits. The chain and sprockets annoy me. I hate having to change it. It annoys me when they wear out. It's like, oh come on, really? <laughs> Because it's not always easy to get them, you know. Argentina was a was a nightmare for that. Um, but uh, but yeah, I yeah, it's um, eight eight sets of tires, six marriage proposals, two orangutan bites, and whoa 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 whoa, back up. Did you say two marriage proposals? <laughs> I I say it mostly jokingly, but 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 I you know there's been a few there's been a few um, uh, well yeah people see I think people see a single woman traveling through and it's uh, they they see it as I don't know maybe it's a very romantic image of and they imagine riding off into the sunset with me you know maybe yeah. maybe that's how they see it I don't know or just the fact that she's not going to be here very long so you know <laughs> <laughs> well you know what it is is just to know that you're. You're out there on your own, independently handling your life, and you're you know you're a strong woman. Obviously, you're in control of your life. So your idea of you know, your idea of freedom and managing your life is just, hey, I'm gonna go ride my bike. Screw you guys, right? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, the biggest topic that I, I wanted to bring this up is uh, you rode your motorcycle in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was, um, as I said, I kind of just threw that in there as I was planning the trip and said, hey, you know what, why not? I'm going to ride to Antarctica as well. And they were all like, no, no, you're not. You can't do that. That's not possible. And I went, yeah, it is. And uh, off I went, terrified. I have no idea. And when I left, I had no idea how I was going to make that happen. By the time I got, now I'd been working for about 12 months on trying to find someone to agree to take me. Um... It wasn't that easy, I found. Uh, I, and and I also thought that if I did find somebody, it'd be on a big ship. Right. You know, I, I don't like the sea. I'm not a big fan of the sea. Give me a dirt road any day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, by the time I got to Turkey, I, I managed, I'd managed to persuade a small sailing yacht to uh, to take me across on an expedition. And um, so by the time I got to Ushuaia, we got on the on the sailing boat. It's a sixty foot sailing boat. I say small. It's not that small for a sailing boat, but mm-hmm. to cross the, the Drake Passage, yeah, you know, it's it's one of the roughest seas in the world, and it's pretty terrifying for for somebody like me. So um, we crossed in five days. That was probably the worst five days of my life. I I hated being at sea, um, <laughs> but it was so worth it. And uh, it it was it's not something that you you want to encourage people to do is to take their motorbikes to Antarctica, but uh, but it was. Uh, we went there with a very small, I mean, we sailed across, so we didn't cause too much environmental damage. We, um, we landed the bike on and rode around. I landed the bike and rode around very, very small amount, you know, um, and not around any wildlife, but the smiles that it brought to people working on Antarctica, that was so worth it for me. Not something I'd expected. I went there selfishly, but, uh, the, the, it was amazing. We had the Chilean Navy come out and go, "Hey, there's a woman on a motorbike over here!" You know, and uh, we got there was a lot of drunkenness going on in Antarctica. I've got to say, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> there's so much to do there, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they invited us on their on one of their bases, and then and then we went to a Ukrainian science base, and um, and they were extremely happy to see us. They got the vodka out and. Uh, <clears throat> and we all had a play on the bike and and again got very very drunk but but what a beautiful place to go to go there with or without the bike is just amazing um well, where in antarctica did you go well we we sailed we spent a couple of weeks just sort of sailing around and we landed the bike twice so the first time i landed was um uh, a place called paradise harbor which was just a very small little little um little spot and what we did is we lowered it down 
off the boat into a small Zodiac, which was like a five-man dinghy. Yeah. And then we got, so we lowered it down gently over this icy, deathly icy water. That If you fall in, you've got minutes before your body shuts down, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. So we, we lowered it down into that, and then five of us got into this five-man dinghy with a motorbike and then got it across to the to the shore and then we kind of brute force and ignorance we dragged it up and, and rode around and then took it back again and then did the same thing again a few days later um and yeah it was just i was so emotional i mean i i cried it was just like oh we did it you know um i couldn't have done it without everybody else obviously and i think it was a lesson learned and, and hopefully a bit of inspiration for people if nothing else because you know, it was a, there's no way that you can do that. And then it happened. And so it's brute force and ignorance, you know, head down, windmill, hope yeah. for the best. And people will come, will see that you're making the effort and they love a trier. People love a trier. And so they were like, yeah, well, let's help, let's help her out here. Let's, let's get her on that, on that shore. Um, so, but I didn't have a lift back. That was the problem. Uh, these guys were then going off to do something else. So I had to, <laughs> <laughs> they left you. They left you there. Long story short, I had to hitch a ride with a Russian ice on a Russian icebreaker to get home, and um, and that was exciting as well. Transferring the bike and and uh, yeah, it was it was all good fun. So we had the Chilean Navy, Russian Russian sailors, and Ukrainian scientists. It was it was quite an international affair. <laughs> wow. Now I, this is going to sound like a tremendously dumb question, but please pardon me. Was there a lot of snow? <laughs> Yes, there, there was a lot of snow. So, so, how, did, um, so how did you the, ride? Well, you, well I, the, I assume you went, I guess I'll call it the summer months. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a very small weather window, actually. Yeah. Um, so I had to be there for a certain time, and it was in it was in February. I landed on Valentine's Day, actually, so February the 14th, 2015, okay. and um, forever etched in my mind. And, uh, uh, yeah, so the, the ice has kind of receded, and you can get onto the land. Um, there was a small stretch of uh, of area where there didn't have any snow on it, so uh, I rode up and down there. But then when I got onto the Ukrainian science base, that was covered in snow, so I had 10 Ukrainian scientists just with shovels ahead of me and <laughs> pushing, <laughs> pushing me around. It was great fun. <laughs> so, so, so we're not talking miles of riding in Antarctica. We're talking feet. It, it was more of the gesture than okay. anything. Yeah. <laughs> See now, you what you've done here, uh, you what you've done is you've spoiled a, any man's hope of, of being part of your life in the future. Because anytime Valentine's Day comes around, there's nothing that he's going to do that's going to compare to. Yeah, this is great, but you know, I was in Antarctica with my motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, chocolates. You just brought me chocolates. Right. Is exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Well, that's as, now. We are you. Would you be considered like the first person or woman to ride in Antarctica? Um, I can't imagine. Well, of, is, yeah, I can't imagine a lot it. of people have been doing that. Not many. Um, there, there's there's a couple of people have got to Antarctica with their motorbikes, but um, there there is a lady called Ben Ben Capulco. I probably didn't say that right, but um, she did get her motorbike to Antarctica a few years ago, but didn't actually ride um, because. The way she got across, they had to remove all the fuel and uh, all that kind of thing. So she she did my. So I'm not the first to get a motorbike there, Um, but uh, but maybe the first woman to actually ride in Antarctica. I'm not sure. Um, Certainly the first Brit, and I'm dual nationality, so I'm claiming first Canadian as well. (laughs) (laughs) On more of a serious note, tell us about your 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 public speaking events and the Rally for Life. Oh well, um, the public speaking events—they're they're hardly uh, a serious note. They're, they are hopefully uh, an hour and a half or an hour of of entertainment and fun and, and funny stories from the road. Uh, and as I said, I do it to um, to kind of earn money along the way. I also do a few to uh, raise money for a charity called Rally for Life, which is run by some friends of mine who work with other charities all over the world to help provide basic human needs for people, you know, water, sanitation, education, that kind of thing. Um, in countries that a lot of us enjoy traveling through these days, I mean, we all love to travel and everybody's sort of dreaming of riding off into these wonderful countries that are full of desert and interesting cultures and different cultures. But um, I'm not sure we often stop that long to to, to help out and, um, uh, I just wanted to be able to kind of 
raise some awareness if nothing else um we've managed to to raise a few thousand along the way which is wonderful um and anybody who wants to contribute is uh, is you know anything is always greatly received and the money 100% of the money goes goes to you know to working on the ground and, and helping those people so oh, that's right that's wonderful that's a wonderful <laughs> thing you're doing there great great charity work now, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> uh, now this lifelong adventure, uh, would you say that you're on a lifelong adventure motorcycle journey? Uh, I'm, I'm definitely on a, a lifelong adventure. Um, but, uh, this journey will end. There's uh, a beauty in closing a chapter and op- for opening a fresh one, you know, oh, turning yeah. the page and starting a new chapter. And my whole life has really been about that you know different chapters rather than one long book seeing it as one long book and and so I I am looking for I I I think I used to say the hardest part is starting any journey like this the hardest part is starting the hardest part may be stopping I'm not sure three years on into an 18-month journey then yeah I I guess I'm finding it difficult to, to bring it to a close but I do want to finish the circle in a way and um and finish where I started at the Ace Cafe Mm-hmm. Uh, probably four years into into an eighteen month journey, and then and then start start something else. Um, I do have some plans um, that have just come to light. So so in twenty nineteen, I plan to take the first group of all women bikers uh, up to Everest Base Camp. Okay. So uh, that's something I've just started looking into, and, and um, looks like we're going to be doing that. Uh, and but otherwise, I haven't really planned too much beyond the next few months. And, and my my focus is really now about getting across Canada and over to Africa for the last continent, um, which is an expensive bit. Getting, a, you know, shipping is always expensive. Oh, yeah. Now, it, well, I well, you're saying you, you're going to you have some uh, another chapter in your life that you're going to start. It, it does it involve motorcycles. Oh, it'll always involve motorcycles. <laughs> Good, perfect. Yeah. Good. Yeah. you know but i'm looking at your map of where you've been and i see a lot of gaping holes in it what yeah yeah, i see a lot of gaping africa i mean look there's there's nothing going on there what what well i'm i've just told you i'm getting there i'm I'm on it (laughs) getting there you but you haven't been and 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 it looks like i guess you have an aversion to the united states because you're kind of like just skirt along the outside there through california and just like just to hell with the rest of the country i'm not going to you know we're going to have to you have to get back here in the states well there is a there is a a reason for that one is that i i actually used to run tours across uh, the states at once Uh, well i was the support driver i didn't run them i was a support driver and we used to do coast to coast and back again with a load of bikers so i have seen a lot of the states many times Mm -hmm. um this time coming through, I was I was riddled with injuries and and in a fair bit of pain. So I, it was just a case of um, I was going to get to Canada and then rest that because I'm a Canadian national. So or I'm you know have Canadian citizenship. Mm-hmm. So I I pretty much went through fairly quickly. I must admit. But the but the West Coast though is beautiful, oh, right? I wouldn't know. Haven't been. Oh. <laughs> Well, trust me on that one. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. I mean, and as close as you are right now to Alaska, why don't you go there? Uh, well, that was the plan. Um, but then I, I've been held up quite by uh, for a long time by injury. Um, now I'm in the winter in, in Canada. It's not a great time to ride, so no. I'm waiting for the spring. Um, <laughs> and I think my plan is now to go east because otherwise it means a couple more months of hanging around, waiting for it to be kind of bearable up in alaska um so at the moment i think you know i need to get moving i've had cabin fever for a while now um sitting still is not easy for me so i'm kind of itching to start getting across and making up some time really yeah. or some miles not necessarily time well i have an idea for you you can you, here's something for you, you can do you're you're very close to the arctic circle you know Oh, yes, you're right. You know, no, I, that's see? a good point. You did, yeah. the, you did the Antarctic. Now you can do the Arctic and you can have it. It's another first for you. Both, yes. Right. You're so, yeah, cl- you're so close. Come on, Steph. You're very close. <laughs> I'm very on close. it. I'm on it. Let me, let me uh, get my Google Maps out again. <laughs> Check it out. And then what you do is you got to head all the way. There. You got to go to Key West, Florida. Oh, really? Oh, my. If you've, you've never, have you ever been to Key West? No. <laughs> if you, go to, I mean, if you go to Key West, you won't leave. Oh really? Okay. Yes. 
Well, I, again, I'll bear it in mind. I go and hug a manatee. They're, they're, they're like the sea cows, aren't they? Embrace the manatee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, of course, and I noticed that you haven't done anything through uh, Russia or China. Or did you? No. China? No. Again, like, give me a break here. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm just busting your jobs. You know? <laughs> I um, I still got a lot of places to get through, but yeah. I think actually, um, uh, I I would like I, I do I have got some plans afoot to go into China, but the problem with China is you have to have uh, a guide with you if you're crossing the border. Oh. so that's why I ruled that out because it's very expensive to have a guide. Wow. So. Okay. Um, my plan for China in the future is to is to fly in, buy a bike, and then ride around it. So that'll be a separate. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Is that, hey, right? Is that uh, right with you? Uh, yeah, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. Email me first, and I'll let you know if it's okay. Okay, all right. <laughs> Did you have much trouble with border crossings? Uh, uh no, actually, I didn't. Yeah, you hear so many horror stories of border crossings. Um, but you know, sometimes maybe being a woman on your own isn't such a bad thing. Well, I know it's not a bad thing, but most people <laughs> tell me seem to think that it is. Um, but uh, it's it actually helps. I think sometimes. Um, I've never been a guy through a border, so I don't know what it's like for them. But for me, generally, people are really helpful. Um, it can be. It can be time consuming. It can be hot. I think take patience and biscuits. And, um, you know, what? Pay, lots of patience and biscuits for your sugar levels. Biscuit, you know? Oh, biscuits for your sugar levels. Oh, okay. What, what do you think <laughs> I was going to do? Bribe the, bribe the guards? Yeah, that's know? what I was like wondering. What? Biscuits? Is that what's required <laughs> to get across the border? I got biscuits. Let me in. <laughs> it works for the dogs. <laughs> 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 I, so I, I was going to ask you, uh, what's next for you? Uh, you're, you're Right now you're just hanging out in British Columbia. Yeah, hanging out, um, doing lots of writing. Uh, now, who are you writing for right now? I write for ADV Moto. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it's a magazine. Yeah, yeah. Huh. And um, <clears throat> ADV Moto, and uh, Ride Ma I write a monthly column for Ride Magazine in the UK as well. Uh, and anybody else who will have me, basically. So, um, and, that, and, that, uh, and, that, and that pays your way, huh? Well, it, it, it pays... Uh, a certain amount. It's not a massive amount, but the more I get, obviously, I have to write a fair amount to get a decent amount imagine. of pay. But also, like, I'm going to be at the Timonium Motorcycle Show. No, next really. <laughs> a friend of ours, uh, Huffy the Biker Clown, he he goes <laughs> he goes to Timonium all the time, and he's been bugging me. He says, "You guys got to come up to Timonium, and just you got to come and do the show live." Uh, yeah, okay, maybe. It's in Baltimore. No, oh my God, really? It's so close for me. It's not so far, is it? No, it's only about maybe a two-hour drive. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm going to be that they see that was so that's another thing. So they're gonna I'm going to be doing talks there, and there's a load of Br other Brits there as well. So it's a great excuse to kind of have a bit of a social event as well. Mm -hmm. And um, they pay me to be they fly me there. They pay me to be there, and um, so things like that really add up when it comes. You know, my. My cost of living on the road isn't too high, so um, uh, when you get a gig like that, it keeps you going for a few more months, you know. Yeah, oh yeah. And then I've got presentations organised through uh, throughout the Canada as well, so um, so hopefully it'll be enough to get me over to Africa. I've managed to persuade a shipping company to take me over for cost price. So, <laughs> really? So yeah, there's one thing I'm good at is blagging. <laughs> wow. So, um, so yeah, so, um, uh, things are, things are sort of, it's always hand to mouth though. It's always like a, a really sort of a balancing act. It's like, uh Oh, I'm out of money. You need to do a talk, you know? So, so that's what I do really, or I need to write something and, uh, waiting for the snow to disappear. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then across Canada over to the East coast, hopefully to Newfoundland, Labrador, really looking forward to checking that part of the world out. Um, and then over to Africa to Cape town. And riding probably along the east side because of visa issues with the west side. Hello. Um, Hello. And then, oh, it's just a nightmare on the west side for visas. But otherwise, along the east side uh, to probably Egypt and then figure it out from there. I can't ride through Libya, so maybe through Israel. I don't know. Um, yeah. Hmm. But that's hmm. a vague idea. I'm hoping to be to be back around sort of March, which would be... March next year, which would yeah. be exactly four years after starting. So, yeah, so you're not going to have much of in a, in a way of weather issues if you're going to be in Africa at that time. <laughs> Do you know what? I haven't got a clue what the 
<laughs> what season I'll be landing? I haven't looked. I don't tend to not to look too much at the weather, but it shouldn't be too bad. I think getting across Canada might still be pretty cold in April, May. I might drop down into the U.S. You'll be pleased to hear to to um, <laughs> for the last bit of that. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, we're in Jersey. We're in New Jersey. So if you come in, just dip down, and we'll meet up. We'll go do a short oh. little ride. Well, actually, that's where I'm shipping from. So, um, are you really? Yeah. So there you go. That's that's. Um, where are you shipping from? You can buy from? a nice cup of tea. Yeah. Abs- oh, yeah. Absolutely. Where are you shipping <laughs> from? Where are you shipping from? Uh, I don't know exactly. Um, yeah, finer details. I'm just sort of getting getting to. But I think the um, <laughs> the New, New Jersey, the Newark, is it Newark? Yeah, Newark. Yeah. There you go. That's a great place to camp. <laughs> no, it's not. Trust me. No, you know, you no. don't want to do that. <laughs> Get out the credit card, stay in a hotel. So when do you think you're going to be here on the east coast of the U.S. Uh, and to make your way back uh, across the pond? I think it will be around mid-June, and um, I only mm. kind of figured that out this morning because I've been oh. working on my route. But uh, it's early days, but I'm thinking around mid-June. Oh, what you can do. If, you're going to be like, if it's going to be like early June, you're going to be passing through, say, upstate New York. We have a motorcycle rally here on the east coast called the Americade. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a huge, huge. Like it's the oldest running and largest uh, rally in the U.S. Oh, wow. That does sound like fun. So uh, that happens the first week of June. Okay, excellent. Well, that's about good timing for me. So, yes, um, hey, I might see you there. See, uh, look at that. See, taking care of you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, so tell me, how can people check out your blog and your events and your articles and your book and all that uh okay well the blog as we said is one step beyond.com and um <clears throat> yeah there's a links from there to the book which you, which is currently on itunes but will be available on android just as soon as i can convert figure out how to convert the file so bear with me on that one um but uh, yeah all the links to the youtube and everything else is there so yeah great and now the book I noticed it's an iBook. Mm-hmm. Any plans on turning that into an actual audio book or something like that? An audio book? You're not the first person to ask me that. And um, I'll tell you the same thing as I told them, which was, uh, no, not at this stage. <laughs> no. <laughs> like getting the ebook was a nightmare. It was such a big learning curve for me, that, you know, sort of putting all that together. Now that I've learned it, it won't be so hard next time. But um, I kind of got a little bit rah with it, you know. And um, <laughs> and so starting an audio book right now, well, just, just give me a little bit of time. And uh, maybe, maybe it's not such a bad idea. No, yeah, you got some writing to do first right so yeah. do, do you ever worry about like not having any food or money or anything like that when you're out there <clears throat> no because um mm. i think it's like kind of positive reinforcement you know like the last yeah. three years I, I have run out of money but i've always been okay i uh i've just sort of um i don't go out begging or anything but if you've got to kind of make the most of what <laughs> yeah. you've got right yeah so if i had to i, I, I could go busking you know i could, <laughs> I could wow. uh, but uh it's never I have an emergency credit card too, and I've kind of gone into that several times, you know. Oh, yeah. So, um, but then you sort of build it up again a little bit, and I, I, I just stopped worrying because, you know, hey, what's what's the worst that can happen? I'm very lucky. I, like I said, you know, my I have loving parents back home who, yeah. if 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 it came to it, they'd fly me home. I'm not. You know, I'm living like a homeless person, as they say. You know, spending a fortune <laughs> to live like a homeless person, but but it's I'm. I'm not not on my own out there, really. You know, yeah. so it's it's not so bad. Ah, how's the food been? Pretty good. Um, uh, yeah. Well, there's a couple of places. Where where was the worst place? Probably like Bolivia, maybe. God, the food was there's just chicken. There's just a lot of chicken really? in Bolivia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is which isn't so bad, but it's just when you have it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know. I would think um, that like going through India and all that would probably have been, been the worst. I actually didn't, surprisingly, didn't get sick in India, but um, uh, the food I found fine. I mean, eating curry for breakfast is a bit weird, but, um, you know, it takes a bit of getting used to. But, uh, but yeah, no, the food's not been a major hassle. I, I do a lot of cooking for myself as well, which is which is kind of cool. You know, I've got one, one pot and uh, probably my best ever Christmas dinner was spent cooking on the Mexican beach um, you know, making a stew and uh, fighting off the seagulls and the pelicans. <laughs> That's how you spent Christmas one year? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, that wow. was awesome. 
It was so nice. <laughs> so, how, how, how much camping did you do? Uh, well, all the way through. You mean yeah. it's pretty quite a lot. Uh, I, I could mix, I suppose, equal measures between camping, couch surfing, um, staying with bikers, yeah. and not so much hotels, but um, hostels in, in places and stuff like that, where camping isn't so easy. Like yeah. India, for example. I didn't camp at all in India because, it was, A, it was too hot. I was there the hottest time of the year. B, um, there's people everywhere. You can't find a private space to camp, so it's yeah. not safe, really. Um, but, like, say, Canada, for example, like I, I, the, the couple of months that I spent before I um, – sort of settled down here for a few months was pretty much all camping um and because it's cheap and cheerful and it's it's good fun and i was hunting bears so <laughs> wow steph thank you very much for joining me here on the podcast uh again check out uh one steph beyond uh steph jevons who's been riding around the road. apparently he's not going to stop anytime soon and you might, <laughs> you might see her out on the road i not maybe not in the u.s though but we'll see all right, Steph, thank you very much for joining me here on the Motorcycle Thanks for Motorcycle. having me, Ted. All right, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, thank you very much for listening to this episode number 72. And if you'd like to hear more episodes like this, please help out the podcast by subscribing to the podcast. You can do that for as little as a dollar a month, and that will help us help you by bringing you more content and hopefully better quality shows and more interviews like this. Thanks to you guys who have been contributing to all of our subscribers. We thank you very much. It is enabling us to bring you more and better content, of course. Uh, and hopefully soon we're going to have some uh, T-shirts, some other goodies to hand out. Right now, all of our subscribers will be getting a Motorcycle Men sticker for starters. We also have our Facebook group, Motorcycle Men, which uh, if you become a subscriber, you will get invited to that. Also, we also have a um, Slack uh, page that we're going to start inviting everybody to as well. So, uh, again, thank you very much for listening to this episode number 72. Uh, stick around because we have some more great interviews coming up. Uh, rapid Fire, you're going to be getting a lot of them over the next couple of weeks. So, please stick around and uh, thank you very much for listening and please spread the word. You heard it here on Motorcycle Men. Thank you very much. Ride safe, kids. Bye-bye.